Hello and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. My name is Jeff and I'm joined, as always, by my good friends Richard. Hello. And Michael. Howdy. Richard and Michael uh, normally spend all their time, all their waking hours, locked in discussion, discourse, debate over the top four things that represent a certain topic. And this week is different. It is a little bit different because the holiday season, it's a time where uh, wonder and holiday joy is in the air. And Michael and Richard aren't going to be locked in angry debate. They're going to be locked in a holiday, wonderful, happy debate about the four things that best represent this topic, which is must-have holiday toys. Michael, you picked it. Why? I love toys. You like toys. I love them. I like unboxing them. I like unwrapping the toys. I like losing pieces within the first couple of hours. Yeah. Do you like Christmas the, you morning? Know, Do you like, I love yeah. Christmas morning. Yeah. I love it when my He-Man's battle axe falls right into the grate, the heater grate, <laughs> and I lose it within, seriously, two hours of getting that really oh, awesome com- combination pack of He-Man and Battle Cat while we were up at Christmas one, one weekend, one Christmas, up in Lake Arrowhead, and I'm not... <sighs> oh, my God. Okay. I'm not sad about this at all, guys. <laughs> okay. Richard, no, we can I mean, get you a new one. We can get you a new one. It's fine. I'm ordering on eBay right now, and and it, it's twelve cents. Oh my god, twelve cents! <laughs> but the emotional, you know, the emotional impact has lasted for you know thirty three years. Yeah, there's been a He-Man battle axe sized hole in your heart. <laughs> but no, you know, I was just I came up with this because it's Christmas, and I thought, oh my god, we gotta we gotta talk about toys that are so prevalent on a bunch of little kids that aren't listening to this podcast's minds. <laughs> So, okay, uh, Michael, your choice, Richard, go first. What do you got? All right, so um, much like Michael, I have four categories this week. No, I don't have categories this week. I went, I went straight. What just happened here? Wait, you, uh, In the Christmas spirit, I have given you the gift of the making gift of things categories. into a category. Hmm. So uh, my four categories this week, pause because my uh, computer is frozen. My four categories this week are stuffed toys for girls, non-stuffed toys for boys, Smarty Pants stuff. And what the fuck? <laughs> so I'm gonna... you, know, you know, the popular Toys R Us aisle. What the fuck that your what kid's just wandering down. <laughs> oh, <laughs> why am I covered in this green gunk? Ah, oh, what the fuck? Yeah, what the fuck? Are you serious? What the fuck? So, for the stuffed toys for girls, uh, I went ahead and chose, I think this is the obvious choice, the gift that basically invented Black Fridays and people getting punched in the face for a toy. The Cabbage Patch Kid. Good parents for a Cabbage Patch Kid. The Cabbage Patch my Kids. Each doll is different, and you can pretend to adopt them. My baby has a real diaper. You can love and care for Oh, well. I would also argue, not just for girls, because... I had two of them, and Whoa. fuck you for getting getting all Whoa. getting all Whoa, sexist what? with this. What? Listen, Clifford was a great toy. It was he? Yes, he was. I had a second one that I whose name I can't. You're supposed I can't to remember. have. You're supposed to have a my buddy. Oh. Well, that was made for you. Uh, for the record, the Cabbage Patch Kids are also on my list, as they should be. Yeah, I mean that's that was ubiquitous. What's that? So uh, these now ubiquitous was the name of one of the Cabbage Patch Kids. <laughs> Ubiquitous uh, um, <laughs> Clifford. Nelson, yeah. So basically, the Cabbage Patch Kids saved Coleco. I didn't realize it was a oh, Coleco thing. And after the oh. whole uh, video game collapse, uh-huh. the whole ColecoVision stock went. Wow. And so this was this thing that they had. Uh, they just sort of found, and it was originally called Little People. And they were uh, <laughs> hand stitched. 
and they're just like these ugly face looking uh uh dolls. I mean, they didn't sure. do anything special. Mm-hmm. Um, no, no, no. They they listen. But they came with they came from the Cabbage Patch. That's right. And they had their own birth certificate so you could adopt sure. your Cabbage Patch kid. It was it was an important little ritual for moms and kids to go through where you felt a sense of family and you f- a sense of ownership and even though each of these uh dolls had Xavier Roberts' name tattooed on its butt yeah. somehow. Yeah. And they never really explained the branding of that mm-hmm. poor child that mm-hmm. came from the Cabbage Patch. Right. They all came out. It wasn't just a doll that looked like every doll didn't look like every other doll. You weren't buying a whatever doll, a Sally doll. You bought, you were getting a doll that had a first and a middle name that had very special clothing and different eye color. And like mm-hmm. all of them felt different. So it wasn't, there was a, it was a very individual toy to get, which probably went, was why they cost 50 to to $100 back in the 80s, which was insane. crazy. It was insane. Crazy. And for a doll, yeah. For, for anything. I mean, nothing costs that much in the 80s. I think with inflation, you could get a car for like 10 bucks. I had a pair of Jordache jeans. <laughs> oh. No, I didn't. What was the only thing between you <laughs> and your Jordache jeans? Nothing. His Xavier Brooke Roberts Shields. tattoo on his back. <laughs> <laughs> my, si- my sister, uh, I, I probably had one of these because my sister, who's a few years older than me, had one. Um, she okay. ha- she had uh, her name was Rochelle Alexine. I called my sister to find out what the name of her, her cabbage patch was. I thought you were saying your sister's name was Rochelle. No, my sister Vanessa. <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. Uh, had Rochelle Alexine, and she also Rochelle had Rochelle. <laughs> they also went into a strange. They had like dog versions and cat versions. Wow. Called uh, let's see, they were called the Kusa, and she can't remember the name of whatever her dog version was. But like, right, we had them, and I probably looked up to her and was like. My sister's carrying around one of these, and it was okay for a boy to carry one around, you know. And not, was it? Right? I don't know why was it wouldn't it? be. Listeners, well, I'm not saying it's right, right. in your I'm opinion. Not, I'm not saying it's right that it wasn't, but I don't know any boys who had a, uh, I had a, a cabbage patch. I think I, it sold so much because it was something guys had, too. Because if you adopted a boy doll, then yeah, yeah you were okay. And, huh. maybe, and maybe, I mean, okay, I had a huge, like, stuffed animal collection growing up. I had monkeys and dogs and whole sorts of like i had a whole half of my bed was filled with these goddamn things we we grew up, we grew up very differently michael i guess so i guess I, but i of, of course the the reason we talk about this is not just because it was a toy doll but because it became a craze sure some I, might say yes. a mania yes i mean to the point where in 19 they wrestled yeah, in, <laughs> in 19... the middle of madison square garden <laughs> in pretty the first much one. pretty much they did except um instead of more of a battle royal yeah. Where the people, anytime, literally, the Toys R Us would bring out a pallet of um, Cabbage yeah. Patch Kids, women would be, and moms and dads and whoever would be lined up to dive in and just scoop up as many as they could in their hands and try and fight off the punches wow. of the rest of suburbia that to was try a- and get to the restaurant. And I know this because Sarah, my wife, former guest host of the show, managed to get a Cabbage Patch Kid in 1983 because her mom... Hung out at the back because literally people were clawing at each other. Oh, yeah. And then a second pallet was being brought in behind that, and nobody saw that because they were too busy fighting for the one pallet oh. that had been brought in. Yeah. So she was able to scoop one out and up and get the hell out of there. Wow. Very savvy. Yeah. I mean, there was a, a I mean, it's actually called the Cabbage Patch Riots. There was one that happened in West Virginia, which, <laughs> come on, guys, <laughs> that, um, 
involved a got so bad that a store manager had to get out an aluminum baseball bat and wield it to keep the uh, angry throngs away from him. This wow. is how the zombies. This is a zombie movie, is what this is. This is not getting a toy from. Well, they kid. do that with Bones Farm wine and West Virginia. Too. <laughs> That's true. That's yeah. true. Really, that, that any excuse to start start throwing some punches yeah. is pretty good in West Virginia. I think. I mean, I think it's a bit of a, a side a sidetrack, but the Garbage Pail Kids that came out of it were such a oh, immediate, yeah. uh, you know, artistic reaction to it. Um, the guy that did Mouse, the the Pulitzer Prize winning graphic novel yeah, sure. was one of the two guys that created it. I guess they, Was he really? Oh, I didn't wow. know that. The Garbage Pail Kids? Oh. Yeah, he, uh, he helped create it along with this other artist named um, John Pound. Mm-hmm. And I guess they were involved in something called like um, Wacky Packages. Yeah, Wacky and Packs. I, those I, I think good. those were a little bit before my time, but I, I loved the Garbage Pail yeah. Kids. And I had a binder full of them. And it was weird to see like, you know, all of your favorite toys in one version, they're sweet and cuddly and you're very respectful to them. And then this other version is they're just buffing yeah. all over each other. Yeah. <laughs> so and, and, and I think people who weren't, weren't around then don't understand just how insane people were for this. I, I have a list of a few things that happened during the 1983 run on um, Cabbage Patch Kids, if you don't mind. Um, the, uh, someone actually went to London because he couldn't find a Cabbage Patch Kid and they had him in London. So wow. he flew to London. And this is 1983 where you just don't like mm-hmm. go into Expedia. Yeah. I mean, this was like, you had to, his name was Donald Trump. Yeah. I'm you sure could, it was. No, no, it wasn't. You but. could hop on the Learjet back then and yeah, it was no the big Concorde, deal. Yeah. The Concorde, that's yeah, what it yeah. was. Acor- okay. By the way, Michael, according to Coleco, 20% of the dolls were purchased by boys. Yeah. So there you go. I guess I was... Wait, I one in ten. On that one. one in ten, two into five. Uh, Those you, ratios are you, lining what, up. What are you suggesting here? <laughs> um, the Social Security Administration uh, actually let state agencies know to be on the lookout for Cabbage Patch Kids that are applying for where for welfare. Wait, dolls? Yeah, that were applying for welfare. Yeah, apparently. Is this adults who are legitimately submitting a? What am I? What are you saying? I'm saying I'm saying the federal Social Security Administration sent alert to states saying be on the lookout for Cabbage Patch kids that are applying for welfare. Basically, yes, parents who would like like claim a Cabbage Patch kid as an actual. Oh my god! Wow. Yeah, Beatrice Laverne isn't a real name for a person. (laughs) You've each done Cabbage Patch, so Michael's going to go with his second. My second, as the script gets flipped a little bit, it's. Along the same lines as a craze, and that was uh, Tickle Me Elmo. Who's giving everybody the giggles? It's Tickle Me Elmo. When you're trying to... 1996. Ooh. I I never owned one, but I remember the stories of how insane it was. They They weren't that expensive. I think that's part of it, too. They were $28 or $29, and they were just underproduced. And overhyped specifically by like the Rosie O'Donnell show, who oh. kind of oh yeah, who kind of talked about them on her show, and a lot of you know she was she and Oprah had that same sort of appeal of I have branded myself as a liker of this thing, and the followers kind of followed suit. Oh yeah, and you you know it's like a, a you know taste maker or a style mm-hmm. maker or whatever, and all of a sudden this thing becomes hot, whether the kids think. It's hot, or they need to have it or not. 
I don't know. Did kids did kids pay attention? I guess maybe kids paid attention to her show a little bit because it was kind of kid friendly. Well, they were watching with their moms, probably of that age group that actually liked Elmo. So if their mom was yeah, watching the yeah. show, they probably saw her on it. This so, show doesn't have love for Elmo. No, I actually thought about this one, and my loathing and hatred of Elmo, as we have discussed in previous episodes, was so strong that I could not mm-hmm. could not bring myself to do it. We do actually. My family has a Elmo toy in the house. Actually, we have two. I take that back. Uh, one of them is a night night Elmo. Mm. When you hug him, he goes, Elmo, so <laughs> he, sleepy. I thought he's filled with ether. He yeah. Inhale. My <laughs> right. kid is out. <laughs> just, no, just, just shoots a little bit of whiskey right in your kid's mouth. Just, Time for you to go, night night night. No, he goes, Elmo, so sleepy. And then like, plays like 10 seconds of Rockabye Baby. Then the other one we have, which was one of the big hits a few years later. Was the Let's Rock Elmo? Oh, where he's got toys that you can put near, like instruments. And if you got the instrument near him, he'll. It sounds like he's playing, and like he has bongos in his hands, will move up and down. Yeah, that doesn't get batteries ran out on that one. And don't you know, (laughs) just so hard to find those batteries for that nowadays. You know, you guys know about the battery shortage. (laughs) Well, I thought I thought was interesting. It's just that these things seem to be cyclical, where you know you didn't learn the lesson from 15 years before. Suddenly, there's a shopping spree and a shopping riot, and people are stampeding yeah. over each other for, you know, maybe one of a hundred Elmos that are in a particular Toys R Us or whatever, and then the black market gets a hold of it, and you're suddenly flying to Denver and paying seventy one hundred dollars <laughs> for, uh, you know, a, a goddamn tickle me Elmo doll, and you know, just like the Cabbage Patch Kids, is these things become, you know, they kind of worm their way into society, and they become suddenly super important and the kids i think the kids sense that too they sense i have to have this and whatever in a parenting thing kicks in it's like well if i love my kid their 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 christmas is gonna be ruined and yeah and i i will tell you one story that's similar to this um I, I'm assuming you don't have a Furby on your list, do you? I do not. Okay, so that was the big one. I only had, no, yeah. no Furby. So there was the original Furby. It was like when we were kids. Yeah. And then, I guess this would have been about three years ago. Furby 2, the they, revenge. Yeah. <laughs> Hipster uh, Furby. Yeah. Where's a monocle? <laughs> <laughs> it was like a more electronic one, and it was like you had to take care of it. It was kind of a cross between, it was a Furby, but like with the Tamagotchi, the Tamagotchi type yeah. stuff. And that was all Vivian wanted. I think she was five or six, maybe. That was all she wanted. And we resisted getting it, resisted getting it. Finally, we just saw a sale on it. We're like, fuck it, better. That's, a, that's the Santa gift. And uh, by the way, spoiler alert, if you don't want your kids to know about the Santa gift and the real gift, you might want to fast forward for about a minute. Okay, wait, I don't have kids, so... So but, Jeff, Jeff, you might want to step outside for about a minute. Okay. So no, so so we bought the thing. It was going to be the Santa gift. Uh, we're driving out to Tucson. Do your kids know that Santa gives them some presents and you give them some presents? Yes. There's oh, okay, there's okay. a big gift that is a Santa gift. Okay. And then there is our big gift that is whatever we got them, but usually the Santa gifts a little bit is the is the top one. I okay. do I do like that you're setting them up for the a future of. Well, you know, we can't possibly afford this. Only Santa Claus can afford yeah. this. So in the future, when you turn 15, you're not getting a Santa gift because you know that Santa doesn't exist. So we're not getting you anything else that's that high priced either. Well, so we were driving and we got about, I don't know, Palm Springs maybe, maybe further than that, a little bit further. And we stopped to get gas. 
And I kind of was looking in the trunk. I was like, wait. And Vivian's in the car, so I can't say, Sarah, I don't see the Furby in here. <laughs> the thing, it's not in here. <laughs> Turns out we had left it at home. Oh, no. And now it's like we've already driven two hours. Brutal. What do we do? Do we turn around and go back to yeah. get it? Couldn't get it shipped there in time because we were driving out like a day or two before. So we had to like uh, make that our gift and then scramble at the last minute to buy her a Santa gift. I think I can't remember. We Whatever was our gift to her, we had we turned into the Santa gift. Hey, jumper cables. <laughs> hey, you know, you've, I know you've been talking like pistachios. <laughs> Look at all these pistachios. So the more and the, the side it's all weather antifreeze. <laughs> yeah, come on. Hot. Thanks. And cold. So, the, of course, now Vivian figured it out last year, So, she, which is great because last year she got to be in on the oh. helping Simon out with the presents and stuff like that. And I talked to her about it this year because the ironic part, not ironic, the shitty part, <laughs> was that she got the Furby, played with it for about three, about a month, month and a half, ran out of batteries, never used it again. And so I was like, so you realize, Vivian, that this was your Santa gift a few years ago. Yeah, I know. So we're never getting you anything nice like that again. Hey, wait a second. <laughs> I love how Old Testament your house is. <laughs> uh, okay, so uh, I believe Richard is going to do his second, and then we'll do our break. All right, so this is toys for boys, in quotation marks, because obviously anyone can play with anything. That's right. But when we were growing up, back in the uh, not-so-enlightened 80s, Toys for Boys. I gotcha. Um, and it's Transformers. Which are literally more than meets the eye. Yes, they are. So you guys all know you guys don't know what Transformers are. I didn't realize the history behind this. It was basically somebody saw it at a Tokyo, a couple of things at a Tokyo toy show that had, you know, toys that could change into different things. Somebody, I think, I guess it was Hasbro, I think it was, that had Transformers. Mm-hmm. Um, went to it and said, hey, what if we did that, but like with cars? And in 1980, I want to say 1984, they actually relaxed the laws about promoting items within children's TV shows. Because for a while, you couldn't have like a, you couldn't have a TV show that was based off of a toy because that was seen as not being educational enough. It might have been a couple years before because uh, Masters of the Universe came out in uh, 83. I've got, a, yeah. I've got a great book. I think it's, it's called like Mastering the Universe or something like that that is a yeah. complete breakdown of like the Ma- and like the Mattel Masters of the Universe were really big on that cross-branding of... Yeah, G.I. Joe was the other big one yeah. too that was like the first one, one of the first ones at least to really kind of go that whole route of his TV show. It was... Toys. There were, car, you know, comic books. Philip sure. Morris had Smoky Sam and his <laughs> filtered friends. <laughs> his filtered friends with oh, coffee. It's good bell coffee. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what are you doing? To- <coughs> what are you doing today? Uh- <coughs> hey, Smoky. So Hasbro. Yeah, Hasbro comes up with this idea and basically has to invent not just the toys, but this whole like world. Behind the Transformers, so they come up with the ideas of the Autobots and the Decepticons and the whole nine yards. And in 1984, it all kind of just vomits this all out on yeah. kids who just, look, I'm going to make a confession here. I never had a Transformer. Mm. Not a single oh. damn Transformer. Also did not have a GoBot, at least. Mm. 
So, you know, because there were those kids that, like, for whatever reason, they couldn't get the Transformer. Yeah. Or maybe their aunt thought that the she saw that thing on TV that everyone wanted. So I got you. It's, it's, it's just like it. Isn't this yeah. what you wanted? Karate Turtles. Yeah. It's like, no, that's yeah. great, but it doesn't, it's just a Hot Wheel. You got me a Hot Wheel. No Hot Rod. No, uh. Sideswipe. Yeah, none no of that. Star, mm-hmm. star, star Scream. None of that. I, you know what? I just mm. never got into the action figures, which is, you know, seeing as though I'm, I'm known as a man of action today, <laughs> right. is very surprising. When Richard is 6'4", muscly, um, <laughs> used to wearing tight, tight clothes, camel gear. One, yes. of the, one of the very... And has kung fu grip. <laughs> one of the very endearing things about Transformers, you know, all of these things, whether it's G.I. Joe or He-Man or Star Wars figures, the collectability of them all and the completing of a series or what is available is always uh, very intriguing. Uh, like, I remember, like, the Transformers, there was, like, a poster that came in with, like, some of the bigger Transformers. Maybe it was, like, Optimus Prime. And you could unfold it, and you could see all of the different ones that you could get. Not just the one that you have, but you're just, like, Oh my! Yeah, I can get Bumblebee, and I could go get. Uh, oh my god, I could get Soundwave there, and I could, and like all of them were so very like the seeing them all laid out just kind of opened your mind to that sort of want of like I right. I don't just have this one that I got that I really wanted. I I want that next one too. Yeah. Well, and of course, as as the years kind of went on, then Hasbro kind of realized, well, we can only so, sell so many Optimus Primes. There's like a, you know, a, point, a saturation point where every kid's got an Optimus Prime. So then you need to start introducing all these, the, all the, you know, Cousin Olivers of the Transformers mm-hmm. set. You know, you've got the Rotomus Prime or the Gaveltron or the, I do remember the uh, Micromasters. Oh, sure. The smaller ones. Yeah. It's just, you just have to keep piling on these new sort of like subspecies of sure, toys. You got, you got to Generation 2 and you got to uh, all the Dinobots and then they realized that the Constructor Cons could come along and you could take your five toys and make them into one bigger toy or you'd have uh, you know, the big they, they even had play sets for them that turned into different, giant, bigger like they could always get bigger and you yeah. could always Yeah, I did have a Voltron Okay. I did have the Voltron set. I guess did that is the one action thing. Did I you have. have a Lionbot Voltron, or did you have uh, like a the car one? No, I have the Lionbot. Yeah, because it's because Voltron is badass. Yeah. All right. Uh, so we have each registered two of our four choices, and we're going to take a brief break to let you know that uh, you got a lot of time where you're not working around the holidays. You're sitting around. You're uh, um, taking some days off because you got to use that stuff up for the new year. And what are you going to do? You're going to download. All the back issues, all the back episodes of Mount Rushmore podcast, and uh, you got a lot of time when you're on the internet, you know, uh, doing some shopping, some last minute searching for a reservation somewhere. And while you're doing that, download the past episodes of the Mount Rushmore podcast and rate and review them. Please give us that gift. We give you the gift of this podcast. You give us that gift of some ratings and some reviews and telling your friends about the Mount Rushmore podcast. Follow us. On at out Mount Rushmore podcast on Twitter and go to our Facebook and hang around and maybe give us some suggestions towards episodes you'd like to hear in the new year because we would love to address those. And we're back, and uh, Michael is going to start with his third. My third. I went to. I don't have kids yet. Gonna have a kid eventually. He's gonna at some point, but I had to go to the source to find out what is the hot. So I I went to talk to my sister. 
and find out what she was getting for her daughter, Keely. And she said, okay, what you have to check out. Hatchimals, the magic is in you to bring your Hatchimals. Hatchimals. Uh, oh, yes, Vivian is on the Hatchimals. Is she on? Too. You mentioned Furby a few minutes ago, and this is... This, same, that's right. Actually, that's where the conversation happened, because she wanted Hatchimals, and I said, I got, Santa got you those Furbies a few, year, Furby a few years ago, and God damn it, you <laughs> use it for a month, and it was like 80... Okay. How is, much gloating is motivated by Christmas <laughs> at your home? You, so, remember you were a child and you made that mistake? Remember? <laughs> hey, it builds character. <laughs> so the Hatchimals are like this next level of... Annoying. How does it work? Chattering. I've seen pictures. What does it do? So what it is, it's an egg that you get, and you don't know what's in the egg, but you have to play with the egg to hatch the egg, and you roll it around, and you pet this thing, and it makes these weird noises. And, Wait, and is this the sex talk or is this the Hatchimals? <laughs> this is the Hatchimal. Okay, this, okay. This okay. is the Hatchimal in 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 egg form. Okay. And uh, after anywhere from like ten minutes to half an hour. However long it takes to hatch this goddamn thing, I think they, they they must have tested it with kids to find out what is the precise time that these kids get bored with this thing. To oh my god, there's a whole new toy inside of it. Wow! And eventually, uh, this little plastic beak starts pecking its way out, like it's inside the egg. It spins around and it starts poking out. Wow! And these things pop out that kind of look like it looks like this bird dragon furry thing Mm. that makes cute noises and then you take care of it and i thought you know i was thinking about some of our other you know that marble run thing that you got into sure uh there is a creepy deep dive of hatchimals egg hatching on youtube and i will forward you this link of this guy that is just opening five of these things at a time is he like rolling him with his butt? He's that what he's doing. It's he's it's just cracking the, him with his ass. It's just this hand, <laughs> this just arm that comes out from behind the camera and is fussing oh, no. with them and oh, playing no. with them and uh, it's got two million views and uh, you guys, just, this podcast is the wrong thing. We got to be <laughs> like just hatching shit. But um, I guess the point is is that there is a whole new level of toys for kids this year, mm-hmm. and if you don't get Hatchimals for your daughter or You're, son. You're an asshole. You are a monster, and they will hate you for forever. Hatchimals. 2016. Wow. Hatchimals. It's an animal that you hatch it to pieces because it's so fucking annoying. <laughs> well, not, not to spoil this for, for Vivian if she's listening, but I got her actual eggs. <laughs> it's an alley- she has to sit on. I, I'm not going to tell her what eggs they are. Could, could be a bird. Could be snakes. Could be an alligator. <laughs> Guess she'll find out. Oh, I'm dad. I'm crawling with spiders. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. <laughs> That's what you get for not, not playing with your, your Furby. Furby. Yeah. Thank you. Lesson learned. Okay. Uh, oh, Richard, what's your third? So I am going to the Smarty Pants uh, stuff, hmm. and it's the Rubik's Cube. Sure, Sir Isaac Newton unraveled the mysteries of gravity, but could he have unraveled the mysteries of Rubik's Cube? Three weeks ago, Judge Smith retired to her chambers with Exhibit A, Rubik's oh, wow. Cube. Which, she hasn't been seen uh, since. They debuted in 1980. I think it had, been, it had been around for a few years before that. It was actually invented in 72 by this Hungarian guy. It was just called Blocks then. It had six sides. Didn't have a name to it. It was just <laughs> all one color. Didn't have a name. Rubik hadn't put his name to it. It was just <laughs> that cube. It was called Mrs. Rubik is difficult to satisfy. Are you happy with this? <laughs> Am I still failure? <laughs> 
Was there ever an animated TV series based on Rubik's Cube? Yes. Oh, uh, yes, there was. I knew fact. that. I knew there was Cubert, which seems oh wow, yeah. very suspicious. But. <laughs> there was Cubert, and that 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 also played with the uh, Pac Man show. Yeah, if okay. I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And there's also Donkey Kong one too. What do you do with a fucking Rubik's Cube as as a cartoon? Uh, okay, so oh yeah, part of you's yellow. All right. It was called, Next. It was called Rubik, the Amazing Cube. Oh, my God. And he was a magic Rubik's Cube. It could fly through the air, had other powers. And, but it only came alive if you matched up all the sides. Yeah, needless to say, that one lasted about 12 weeks. Oh, you know who did the opening theme for that, by the way? Oh, God. Can you what? guess? Like, take a guess. It is 1983. It is a crappy... Tom Waits. I- oh, Rubik. <laughs> I was shaking hands with an Indian outside a liquor store with a one-armed bandit with an eye patch. Somebody, somebody put the, the, the sides were on the wrong place. Okay, I got nine different colors on my face. <laughs> okay, Jeff. So it's 1983, crappy ABC TV uh, cartoon, and the main, all the characters are Hispanic. See if you can get this. Who did the theme song? Uh, it's. It's uh, Cheech Marin. Close. Menudo. Menudo. Yay. Yay. <laughs> That's awesome. And Ron Palillo, a.k.a. Horshack, Horshack. was the voice of, of Rubik. Mr. Cutter. Ooh, 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 ooh. <laughs> Mr. Cutter. So the actual thing itself, I'm, it, it, it is just the stupidest thing. It's just three, three by three kind of cube yeah. with the, the colors on each side. You just kind of match it up. Mm-hmm. And I... Cannot do this fucking thing to yeah. save my life. And I remember being a kid, and I was not to brag too much, but I was in gate, you know, for the gifted and talented education oh, in school. Okay. Not just gifted, but gifted and and talented. talented. Okay, and don't, don't don't believe any of that. You were put behind a gate <laughs> out in the barn. <laughs> they just told you you were in gate and threw, <laughs> threw a Rubik's cube at me and said, "Have fun." <laughs> They but throw no, like, you broken carrots. But like everyone would say, hey, bet you can do this. I'm like, no, because no. I, have, I have horrible spatial relations. My okay. sense of spatial relations is just, I'm the type of person, if you, like in high school, like for homecoming, you'd put up trying to make the signs, right, for the school. And they'd give me a sign and say, okay, I'm have this say Vikings, because that was our school mascot. And I'd start drawing, and I'd get to about halfway to the end and realized that I'd completely run out of room, yeah. and now the K and the S have to be totally squeezed mm-hmm. and, and look miserable. And, and that, that impacted your Rubik's yeah, capability? because I think it's all like you have to be able uh-huh. to see things like in three dimensions okay, and like be yeah. able to figure out how that all works. And I just never, I never had that ability. Yeah. You are not a Korean or Indian teenager. Um, let me check. To my, to my visible. You, have, no. have you seen like the world... The world records for these things, yeah, where they can three or something crazy like that, yeah. yeah. It's like it's it, it, blindfolded it, too. Some of them blindfolded. There's a uh, that's incredible episode they did during the craze yeah. that involved that. That's like something like skateboarding that I thought went away for a while, then came back. It never went away. I don't think the Rubik's cube. Well, it did go away for a little bit, and then it came back. And then, then after a while, like they realized, I think that everybody. Was getting bored of the three by three. Do you remember they did like the yeah. four by four yeah. one and the five by five and, and the snake, the snake, and there was like Rubik's hexagon, cube snake hexagons was, and stuff. Mm-hmm. The Rubik's cube snake one, I remember. Uh, I had a friend that had that one that was always really cool. Like you, you know, it was. It seemed more than just solving it into like it seemed more than it just being a puzzle to solve. It seemed like oh, I can turn it into 
It was a building, a sculpting tool. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And, well, of course, there's also plenty of opportunities for cheating here. Yeah. You could actually pop the squares off and then just put them back wherever you wanted to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, re my previous statement about not being able to do this. Oh, I can make it look like it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can pop those things and put it back yeah. in. Or you could just peel the, the uh, stickers off and put yeah. it back on. You only really do that once or twice. Yeah. Then it starts to peel off on its own and like everyone kind of knows that the, uh, the jig is up. Yeah. So, uh, okay. Uh, Michael, what's your fourth? My last one is the best present that Ralphie Parker Aww. would receive or would ever receive. The holy grail of Christmas gifts. The Red Rider 200 shot range model air rifle. I just thought this movie features this kid with this that exemplifies this undying need and want for a Christmas gift and something that all of this opposition he has built up in his head is against him. It's it's just perfect. He wants, he is like this, he's got this quest and this quest is this thing that he's been lusting after and the movie opens with him trying to trick his mom into getting to, to him, getting it for him. And, you know, she gives the, you know, eternal, oh, well, you'll shoot your eye out. And he's, he's lost. His, his heart yeah. sunk. And he, throughout the rest of the movie, he runs into, uh, oh, uh, I guess I should back up if you haven't seen it. No, everybody's seen Every, a Christmas. Hell, yeah. yeah. Wait a second. Everybody's seen a Christmas story. It's, I think it's like this perfect little movie about where, like, kind of commercialism battles a kid's want versus his parents' looking out for him and mm-hmm. in spite of all that he still gets it at the end and it's just like what it's you don't know if it's going to happen it's all all of the decks are stacked against him his teacher is against him even santa claus kicks him down the slide yeah. and yeah. tells him uh hey, you're gonna shoot your eye out kid yeah <laughs> but um i can watch this movie every year and not be uh dissatisfied yeah. with it great yeah it's a that toy is that a real toy yes yes Yes. uh is that um do we think that he deserves it do we think the people like because i kind of the movie think he loves this thing but he's a bumbling idiot of a kid and he is going to shoot his eye out with this thing well he almost did yeah yeah but who's to say that anyone deserves that yeah the presents they get as a 10 year old right it's just this it's this. It, it could have been a bike but it happened you know bikes yeah. are as dangerous as guns mm-hmm. oh well i guess well i don't know in, in three years, that BB gun, that the same affection and longing that he has, that can't be explained, that he can't, couldn't quit if he he wanted to, will be transferred to a golden-haired young woman who sits next to him in school or something <laughs> like that. But he does have such longing and affection for that thing. Uh, so, um, Richard, what's your fourth? Okay, so my last one. I this is in the what the fuck category, <laughs> and it's Pet Rocks. Oh wow! So Pet Rocks was. When you talk about craze, this is one that lasted for a very specific and narrow part of time. Basically, mid-1975 to the beginning of 1976. Someone named, uh, I almost said Steve Dahl. He's the guy who is involved with the uh, Rock and Road Disco oh, Demolition cool. guy. That's not him, though. Oh. Um, Gary Dahl, on the other hand, not named Dahl, D-O-L-L. That would be pretty good, like Lorenzo Music did music from a previous episode. Um, he was a... Uh, 
freelance advertising person, which basically meant he was unemployed. He lived up in <laughs> northern. He, did. he lived up in northern California. Had like a little ramshackle kind of like cabin in the woods. And he was out with a few friends running out one time at a bar in 1975, and they were talking about pets. And he said, "Well, I've got a pet. It's a pet rock. Yeah, it's the perfect pet. You don't have to feed it. You don't have to clean it. Don't have to walk it. Don't have to do anything. Ha ha ha." Professional shyster is what this guy is. <laughs> Grifter, I think, is the, the there proper you go. term. Yeah. Paul Giamatti might play him in the movie. <laughs> right. And kind of got the idea of, hey, this might actually be a kind of a fun, kind of funny gift. So he went and bought, he could buy these uh, smooth stones that they sold from <laughs> Rosarito Beach in Mexico that were being sold down the street from him at like a, you know, a, a home, home Depot type place, which cost him about a cent each. And he packaged it with some straw that cost him about another two, three cents each. Put it in a box that said Pet Rock, and then had an instruction manual for the care of your Pet Rock, which I have found. And it was really fun. It's actually very funny. It tells you about all the tricks you can do with your pet. For example, it can play dead. It can sit. It can roll over, but usually it needs some help from its master to be able to do that. It can be an attack Pet Rock. Once again, usually needs some help from its master to be able to become an attack <laughs> pet rock. So it's like little jokey stuff like that. Yeah. And he kind of manufactured it thinking, okay, it'd be funny if it kind of, you know, a few people bought this. Um, in the six months between when it was released um, th- um, through December 1975, they sold 1.5 million of these. It's a rock. They sold 1.5 million rocks. Did it have a Xavier Roberts tattoo on the butt of the rock as well? <laughs> yes. Okay. Wait, what time was when Came what with year was it? Papers. 75. 75, wow. And it was like this thing where, you know, it's four bucks each. And this thing couldn't have cost more than a buck mm-hmm. total to put together. So it's just, he, he became a millionaire multiple, multiple times over for selling people a rock. Did he move on to do anything else? Um, well, he... <laughs> Any other big time cons? <laughs> no, he uh, did not. And he wound up... Um, Opening up a bar with some of the proceeds called Carry, Carry Nations. Huh. Get it? Ha, ha, ha. And that was about it. People, he said, he kind of shrank from the spotlight a little bit because... People, Can't top rock. Done. <laughs> well, he did try to do things like the uh, original sand breeding kit where you could grow your own sand. That didn't go over too well. Another yeah, one just, was... Those are just smaller rocks. Yeah, exactly. Seven, the 70s were full of these people that I can imagine him and the rainbow head guy and the unknown comic just sitting around and saying... And some like <laughs> transcendental meditation guy and yeah. some Hare Krishnas maybe. Yeah, yeah. And maybe Ron Popeil just all kind of sitting and going, man, we had a pretty good thing, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Yeah, people are idiots, aren't they? <laughs> so he wound up um, kind of shrinking from the spotlight because people would come up to him and pitch him like the stupidest pet rock type of yeah, thing as possible yeah. and he'd definitely i'm not interested in investing more i made my money fuck off yeah <laughs> wow that's a that's super trippy that uh uh so okay you know these gentlemen have each registered their four holiday hot items and i love this trip down nostalgia lane and memory lane that we've gone through and um um one i don't know if i mentioned this on another episode of this podcast because it's one thing that's fascinating for me as i pick my hot toy and that is the slinky um, I'm kind of fascinated by second chapters that some of these toys have. Um, like we've seen um, Transformers come back recently in movie form and uh, succeed, even though it doesn't seem like they've succeeded, they've gone into like their fourth sequel of Bad Movie. Some of these things just can't be killed. Yeah. 
and then uh, battleships. Well, actually, slinkies can be killed. Just get it tangled up a little bit, and <laughs> yeah. thing's fucked. Well, that was let's my see cho- you go upstairs, <laughs> stupid coil. That was my choice, the slinky, and uh, I had read a little bit about the history of it, and it was invented by this gentleman who had based it on a coil that he'd seen come out of a clock. I think it was on a submarine or some kind of ship, and saw the fun kind of uh, activity that it did, and then like the uh, Hudsucker proxy you know he invents this toy right markets it you know for kids and uh goes crazy leaves his wife with all the debt he joins a cult in south america and his wife is stuck with the slinky um business and has to somehow try to get out of debt and so she invents a jingle it walks downstairs alone or in Paris for fun. It's a wonderful toy. It's log, log. It's big, it's heavy, it's wood. Is that it? <laughs> Not log. <laughs> uh, I mean, it reboots the this, this Slinky franchise. I think she also invented the Slinky dog and these other things, too, that uh, were the second chapter of Slinky. So. Hey, real quick, before you go, we get on to the, the winner-loser thing, I, I'd be curious to hear everyone's, if they had a toy that they wanted as a kid that oh, they yeah. could get. Yeah. I'll tell you mine. It was the electric football. Game? The ga- oh, the, the, the vibrating well, table? That yeah. Not, not the one that was plugged into a socket that just electrocuted you. Not the yeah. electronic. The handheld electronic? No, no. It was the one that you would plug. Yeah. Like, no, it was the vibrating one that you yeah. would put in, and they have like the little statu- little, like figures of football players. Yeah. And then they would vibrate and move down. The- and, and on the ads, it made it seem like the coolest GD thing yeah. possible. And my parents were always like, no, we're not going to get that for you. It's really lame. Your cousin <laughs> had it. It broke after like a week. <laughs> and even when it works, all it does, you see... Figures of football players like falling down, yeah. vibrating on a yeah on a box. They just spin in the circle. the The quarterback just spins around. We had one, and it was just <laughs> it's just, it was just the worst. Just it's the worst out. thing ever. That's like one time I will say that my parents saved me from. Yeah, myself. good call. Yeah, good job, guys. I do wonder about the the provenance of that toy. A guy who works at the vibrator factory gets a piece of sheet metal, <laughs> spray paints it green. <laughs> he goes. I got an idea. See you, assholes. I'm quitting. I'm going to be a millionaire by Christmas. Uh, I had a. I didn't really have something that. I crazily needed to have until I saw a friend that had it. And we were kind of talking about this before the podcast, but like the Nintendo Entertainment System. Oh, sure. When it first came out in 85, my friend Josh Burke came back from New York with, and I think I've even mentioned this on the pod, he came back with the system and Rob the Robot and all of these games. And I remember just being like, oh my God, this is... This is amazing because it was like 85 before it really was released nationally. Yeah. And it was only at like FAO Schwartz in New York and his parents had money, obviously. Yeah, there's like their test um, market was New York. So for like the next couple of years was just like, I need to have one of these. And it ended up, I uh, rolled up a bunch of my mom's pennies that she'd saved over the years. She would bring home pennies that she'd spit on three times. As lucky pennies, and she put them in a giant, like, uh, you know, five gallon water jug. Sure. And I spent the time to roll up something like $90 worth of her spat oh, wow. on pennies to turn into cash. Your how mom was Dixon, a gypsy. How Dixinian of, the, of her, you <laughs> yeah. know? Your mom's a gypsy? What's the, what's the <laughs> spinning? Okay. Austrian, right. Right? Just, yeah, just for good luck. Close. Okay, sure. And uh, it was just one of those things that I, I saw a Christmas toy that I wanted, and then. I didn't really work for it. I just put, I guess I did. I put the effort into try to get it sometime I, I, later. I didn't put NES on my list. And I talked to Michael about this, that I, w- I was thinking about it just because we've talked about NES so many times on the show already. But I will tell my NES story, which is 
I did get one, I guess it was an 86 or 87, and it was actually a joint gift for my brother and I, my brother who is nine years older than me. No, you were never playing that thing. Worked out pretty good until about three, four years later when my brother decided to leave home and go to San Francisco with his girlfriend at the time and to be able to afford a bus fare and everything else. He um, pawned off a bunch of stuff, including my RNES. Oh, my God. And went to San Francisco and then moved back two weeks later. (laughs) Because it didn't work out. (laughs) And and I never saw that NES again. Oh, that's awful. Well, it's a good thing that the new NES is out with the same 60 games or the same 30 games that you can get. And the price is online jacked up to $250. I don't understand this, you guys. Just (laughs) go to your local, like, you can go online. You get an actual NES and the games you want. And it's cheaper than getting this thing. Don't yeah. they have an emulator for iPhone or something? Yeah, yeah. you can yeah. play, all, play you any can, game you want. Yeah. <laughs> Idiots. Uh, I was a weird kid in that I, for some reason, I didn't like, I liked toys, but uh, I loved cheese. I asked for a Pepperidge Farms <laughs> cheese set of all the different oh cheeses. My God. I was so ecstatic getting something that was probably reserved for elderly people or something. She different this types. Is of what, this is Kansas. This listen, is what you get. I, I, listen, I know smoked Jeff. gouda. Jeff, I know in a second you're going to declare one of us the winners. Yeah. But Richard, you're really Richard the winner. I think you're. The, I think you need to be the winner. <laughs> I'm the real loser. Uh, most other kids went through the best catalog or the Sears catalog <laughs> yeah. and circled what they want. Jeff went through the Pepperidge Farms the catalog Pepperidge Farms. and circled oh, what he wanted. Well, I will. Uh, I will dub the winner now, and I'm. I'm just amazed how um, these gentlemen, even though the categories are different, often their logic remains the same. And what I love about this show and working on it is seeing these guys uh, lend their scrutinizing eye towards these three categories. And and even though, like I said, the categories are different, usually the way they come at it is the same. And Richard, I think, uh, really kind of figured, figured out how people hacked Christmas. There's a lot of stuff that here where... Like the pet rock guy scamming, you know, or, or Rubik's Cube guy coming up with an invention that's going to uh, be successful in the hands of some and, and, and create mischief in the hands of others. Transformers, even kind of analyzing how Hasbro uh, thought of the marketing and the content and the toy at the same time. And of course, they both went down that road with Cabbage Patch Kids. But I, uh, so I think Richard, as um, culture a- analyst, uh, did a great job doing that. Uh, but I'm going to give it to Michael because uh, Christmas is kind of about your relationship uh, as a young person with these toys. And they are just objects, but they really contain the spirit of the holidays for you, and they mean a lot to you. And when he brought up Ralphie, it kind of sealed the deal in terms of the kids' love for this toy. And then the nurturing um, feeling that we might have towards a Hatchimal or a Tickle Me Elmo. And of course, Michael's unabashed desire to let us know that Cabbage Patch Kids can be for boys too, gosh darn it, and boys can love a doll just as much as a girl. So I'm going to give it to him for that because in that as much as holidays are about emotion and Christmas about love, he certainly loved all those toys. I know Richard did too, but um, maybe he loved how they scammed everybody (laughs) just as much. That's something about our our respective personalities, It totally does. Okay, so uh, uh, happy holidays, everybody. This has been the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. Hey, we can say Merry Christmas now, guys. Oh, thank God. Thank, thank Trump. Thank you, Trump. Thank you, Trump. <laughs>